Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Saywood on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute and a wide array of F1 subject matter experts that cover every aspect of F1 from racing to politics, tech, news and business. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so we can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by Paddock Powerhouse, Joe Bam Bam Sayward. How's it going, Joe? Joe Bam Bam Saywood. Well, there you go. First time for everything. Yep, I'm all right. I'm surviving. I'm a little bit um, discombobulated by the time zones and lack of sleep and everything else. But apart from that, joyous and happy. And look at this. This is an impressive uh, display for you. Those are the gold cards. Are they paddock passes? No, no. Those are gold cards for airlines. Oh, right. (laughs) Are you just showing off how much you travel that you have that many gold cards? I am. I'm showing off. No, this is is years and years and years. They've given up. You're giving gold cards now. They're now virtual gold cards, would you believe? So there you go. It's not the same, is it? You can't show it off. You can't wave it around. You can't walk around the the airport going. (laughs) So I take it you're somewhat travel weary and the new season has hit you harder than you expected. Mm, I'm all right, but I'm just a little bit weary because i didn't actually sleep for in fact i think i wrote it on the blog but i didn't sleep in a bed from friday until i got back to europe on tuesday because i was working too hard ah so not the reason that i used to do that as a young lad which is i discovered that roundabouts were a safe place to fall asleep drunk because no one would arrest you or bother you well they might run you over if there was another drunk about wouldn't they no Um, no you pick those big grassy roundabouts with like hedges and that you can get right in there you're, you're safe Perfectly safe. Yes, the truth is that I didn't spend my time getting drunk. I wish I had. It would have been more entertaining. (laughs) I just sat there producing magazines and stuff. So, Mm -hmm. and that's why you're Joe Saywood, and I'm sat in a shed, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Who am I to say? But at least you slept in the middle of a roundabout, which I can never claim—at least not that I can remember. So, it's a good story. I've done a bit of detective work, Joe. Oh yeah. Oh dear. Well, you see, every day. Since you mm-hmm. started doing Missed Apex podcast, I think last May, I've woken up every morning and I've checked my Twitter account at Spanners Ready to see if this would finally be the day that Joe Saywood would follow me back on Twitter. And as you know, every day I get the crushing disappointment that it, that it hasn't happened. However, I did see on my Missed Apex account that GP Plus magazine follows that account. So it's nearly happened, but it has led me to three conclusions. A, A, well done. You've got a GP Plus Magazine Twitter account. Uh, B, you don't run it because you would never follow me on purpose. And C, you don't tweet from it because each tweet has more than three words. Um, Not strictly true, but it has to be (laughs) said that um, uh, I've just handed over the GP Plus Twitter account to my wife because I Uh haven't got time to do everything. So she was going around sort of filling things up. There's a picture of 
It's a picture of me on the Spanners Ready Thingamabob here, which I've just signed up to. So there you go. The Spanners Ready Thingamabob? Well, the Twitter feed. I think I just pressed the button that said follow. Is that all right? Is it's that, happened. That what it does it? It's finally happened. I cannot wait to check my phone and I'll never wash it again, Joe. But since you've been out to Australia... Can I, can I make a suggestion? I perhaps you should wash your phone, then you won't use your phone ever again. I've done that, you know. If you throw the phone in the water, it doesn't work anymore. Yeah, that's, that's not how phones work, Joe. I went swimming once with my phone with, with dolphins. It was lovely. Until you discovered, of course, that your uh, phone didn't work. There was that, yes. <laughs> and all the photographs I'd taken of said dolphins didn't come out either. Well, we've been swimming in Grand Prix action, sort of, because yeah. I've always um, felt like Australia, Melbourne, is a bit of a funny track to start on. It doesn't feel representative, and it doesn't always deliver the best on-track action, but it was sort of Monaco-ish this time round. It's not, it's not Melbourne, it's the cars. It's very simple. If you look back in 2016, you'll find... 25 overtaking maneuvers in the course of the race. In Whereas 2016, year, yeah. Uh, this year, because the cars are different, uh, there were only, I counted six in the whole race. And I have a lap chart. Um, and lap charts are usually quite indicative. Hang on a minute, let me show you. <coughs> I've just dropped something loudly on the floor. But no, 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 Joe's not actually moving. That's, this is all live Foley work that we're doing in studio to recreate the sounds. There you go. There's his light. It's on paper and pencil. Unbelievable. So you actually, what, you count the overtakes. Is that what that chart's for? Yes, exactly. <laughs> you can see them all, you see. So I, take I, it... I, I never count the first lap as an overtake, ah, but if you look at that, you'll question. see an overtake. There is an overtake. See the two numbers change position in a little cross. There is another one. You see? There must, so be a, you... there must be an app. There must be an app for that. No, there isn't an app for that. I mean... <laughs> Well, there probably is, but, you know, if you have an app, you don't actually use your brain. This, this, this allows you to use your brain. At the end of the race, you know exactly what happened to everybody throughout the whole thing. Yeah, but the app would make less noise on a podcast. In your mind, then, do you, do you, do you believe that a good F1 race needs to have overtaking? Like, can you have a classic F1 race uh, without overtaking? Can you have a classic nil-nil football game? It's, it's almost a similar question. You can. Um... No, generally speaking, occasional overtakes are good, but you don't want too many either, otherwise you end up like NASCAR, where they all overtake each other 23 times and nobody cares. So, you know, it's it's if overtaking is difficult, it's good. If overtaking is too difficult, it's not good. And in, in, to be fair, in Albert Park, uh, we had situations where it was clear that the, that the number of cars were faster than the ones ahead of them and couldn't get through, yeah. notably, notably the winner, or rather the leader. Yeah. Um, are you trying to strangle me or trying to get me to do something with this? Uh, well, okay, we'll point out to the listeners that we have a slight rustle issue with Joe's microphone at the moment. There are improvements pending, and the reason it didn't arrive was my logistical error. So please bear with us, and Joe is now holding that microphone. But I think more importantly, uh, Sam Watley is agreeing with you in the chat. I think he summed up what you're saying. It needs racing. So yes, not overtaking for the sake of it. It needs competitive racing. Um. Yeah, it does. But it, at the same time, you know, it, it, it's, it's, um, how do I just, I mean, it doesn't have to be, I mean, racing, it's just, it's just, you have to have the possibility of an overtaking. And you knew with Lewis and with Vettel that it just wasn't going to happen. And, um, which is kind of distressing, really, because, I mean, it was, it was, um, it wasn't great. And also you had Alonso who was holding off, uh, you know, Verstappen and things like that. And it was clear that Verstappen was much faster, but apparently you needed a uh, a figure of 1.9 seconds advantage over the car in front in order to get by. Some genius had worked this out on the machine. Um, yeah. Now, if geniuses can work that on a machine, you'd think that geniuses could work out how to design the cars to make them overtake. Um, and I hope that's what Ross Braun and his chaps have been doing recently, um, because we really need do do need to fix that problem. But having said that, it's not the end of civilization as we know it. You know, it, it, it's race fans tend to get very hysterical about things. You know, it's just it, it'll be different next week in Bahrain, um, where I'm sure there will be overtakings. And- well, okay, but people still feel like they were kind of robbed, and it's probably not good publicity to have all those complaints about overtaking. And and it seems avoidable in that. We kind well, it's of not, we, it's not it's not avoidable until until the cars are redesigned. Yes, um, and 
it does depend a little it's a little bit track specific but it's not totally track specific except at monaco and monaco is an exception to the rule now um you know you can't change things overnight you're gonna have, it's going to be a, a year or two before you can get it fixed so um you know this it does rather put a, a damper on the idea that adding downforce um, means that there is more overtaking we knew that was the case before so why they did it is beyond my comprehension so is the aero industry bulletproof basically well frankly it shouldn't be because it's what's messing everything up but having said that there's also the performance differential so if you try to apart from engines obviously and everyone complains about them because mercedes do it better than everybody else therefore it's there to blame which is wrong they are to be praised not to blame and Ferrari are to be condemned for make, for not doing as well. You know, it's a simple oh, Renault too. Let's be honest. And Honda, we often forget them. We'll get there. Um, <laughs> well, eventually we'll yeah. have to be a little bit behind because they always are. Um, well, it's true. It's a sick burn, Joe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, it is just disappointing. I think the aero obviously is affecting the cars. Uh, it's not just the extra delta that's needed, but I think you could see with Lewis Hamilton, he was closing up very quickly. He'd hardly put a wheel wrong all weekend. And as soon as he gets into that thick aero wash, that's the first time all weekend he starts, you know, running off track. It's basically they lose downforce the closer they get to the car in front. And they lose cooling as well. So yeah. mm. you know, they, they are basically, it's the same. We've seen it in years gone by. Um, quite often we've seen it. But the trouble is you can't, you can't un, uncork. No, let's rephrase that. You cannot put the genie back in the bottle. Um, because... We know that ground effect exists. So whatever you do, the only thing you can do is take the front wings off completely, which which would be because the front wings are, are basically what what dictates the whole aero package. So you reduce them to as little as possible, and then you'll get good racing. But you know the aerodynamics for winds and wind, and all these teams have got big wind tunnels. I mean, the fact is that yeah. it's really about who's running the sport. Are the are the engineers running the sport? Or are the entertainers running the sport? You know, and if the entertainers are running the sport, maybe we should have you know clown uniforms, big pockets, and big red noses. Who knows? Nick yeah. Alexander in the chat room says it almost sounds like whatever you allow to be developed will be done better by someone and then criticised. And I mean that's reasonable. We should also just have a little noise floor where we ignore a certain amount of complaints because there's complaints about everything. Of course there are. I mean, you know, the fact is that. Well, bear in mind, too, the demographic of Formula One, which is largely, although there there are some signs of it beginning to change, but it's largely grumpy old men. Um, And grumpy old men don't like like change. Don't like change. Change is never good. Um, And, you know, I see it all the time on the blog. There's just a lot of people go, don't like change. It's horrid. Um, Well, I do do like change. I think change is good because, you know, it moves you on and gets you out of the rut. But... um, you know, otherwise we'd still have Eddie Cheever in a car, wouldn't we? So, well, right, okay. So you've been left speechless now by Eddie Cheever, haven't you? <laughs> no, I was just distracted by the chat room, and then suddenly a name that I didn't recognise. So yes, to some extent, you uh, you are correct. Um, Eddie Cheever, Eddie Cheever was a Grand Prix driver in the early 1980s, late 70s, early 80s, and he stayed long for a very long time, and finally went off to America, where he won the Indianapolis 500 which is something that Formula 1 rejects do on a regular basis. Meow! I'm going to upset everybody with that one, but there you are. Well, I did notice that the one bit of IndyCar that I looked at was being led by three complete rookies. So, it, I mean, it, it must be reasonably easier than Formula 1. Oh, dear, dear. You're going to upset everybody with that. Well, no, I'm just got, deducing got, from two things I've seen. You've got to take it deadly serious. You know, oh. Alexander Rossi, who was a tail ender in Formula 1, won it. And then Fernando Alonso turned up one weekend and blew them all away and could have won it. So uh, there is a there is an equation that suggests that perhaps it's not um, as competitive as they think it is. But nonetheless, I don't think we should condemn it completely out of hand. Fair enough. So c- c- right, can you see anybody doing anything about aero? Or do you just think that this is something that is going to run on forever? Do we have any hope or should we just abandon it? Is Ross no, no, going to no, turn no. around it, and say... Are, I'm pretty sure that Ross, Ross is going to address the issue. How he does it, I don't know. Will he be popular? Probably not. See, what, what happens is that Ferrari and people will say, we don't want cars like Indy cars. We, you know, we don't want cars to be like... Uh, you know, as as like as I can't speak English anymore. You can do this, Joe. I, uh, I know I can. Um, 
cars that are too similar to one another because it becomes a spec formula. So that's the that's the the sort of Ferrari mantra they start chanting like we're going to leave if you change it and we're going to go after a spec. For oh, that doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, that, that's basically what they're saying. Um, they don't like spec formulas, so they'll join another spec formula. Yeah. Um, what what they're really saying is we don't like things that we can't win at brackets, which is pretty much everything, to be honest. Um, you know, and giving more money doesn't seem to help. So I suggest we take the money away. See, that was almost the same logic that um, James Allen used on Autosport. I think it was James Allen, where he wrote an article complaining that no one would watch Formula One if it was behind a paywall, but the article itself was behind a paywall. Uh, I wouldn't know. I don't pay for I don't pay for autosport content. Would you? Would you though? No, ever I would consider paying for that or motorsport. No, certainly not. Why would I do that? I'm in the business. I should know better than them anyway. <laughs> well, that's true. But I mean, as a, a fan at heart, we did have a question on Twitter. I'll find out who it was from. I think it was from MG who said, "What does Joe think of the ever increasing Goliath of motorsport.com?" Yeah, well, that's an interesting question, isn't it? I, I my my primary feeling is that. Uh, it's running, um, well, it sort of keeps on flying, but I want to see where the gas is coming from. In other words, who's paying for it all? Because somebody's got to pay for this great monster thing, and it burns money at an impressively massive rate. And I don't see advertisers rushing in to fill the hole. So somebody somewhere is having to pay for it all. And to be fair, um, there are one or two people who are disenchanted because they say they haven't been paid. So. Oh. There are signs that there are perhaps one or two problems. I'm sure that somebody will come on and say, well, that's because of this or because of that. But nonetheless, I'm just telling you what is out there. Um, and I'm, I've seen big empires come and go, and go being the operative word. It's got to make sense financially. Uh, and I don't see how this one does. But what the hell? You know, they're doing it. They're there. They're buying everything. They've, uh, they've not tried to buy me recently, but... Um, they have tried in the past, although they haven't come up with a sensible offer. So I've just <laughs> said no, no thanks or words to that effect. Well, so. I'm going to tear up the contract they offered us right now. Missed Apex podcast stays independent, Joe. Um, but normally, well, well, so- somebody has to. Normally, with things like that, where you can't see where the return is coming and you can't see the end game, um, and it needs constant reinvestment to keep it going. I mean, that smacks of like a pyramid scheme or a Ponzi scheme. That's a slanderous remark perhaps. no i just said that one thing it, is similar to another no you, you what, what what you what you mean is that it, it might be construed by some on a wet tuesday in scunthorpe as being a potentially something like this allegedly all right i've got to do it again okay um i think i think i'm covered i'm covered in the edit steve cover me in the edit uh, I, I can always claim ignorance i think joe no ignorance is no defense i mean i've got a big body of evidence to show my ignorance so no, I mean, that, that's, that's also true but um, you know, that doesn't work. That's a bit like I was only following orders. It's not it's not a defense, you know. That's fair enough. So uh, we were getting excited about the halo beforehand, really optimistic about how it would look and how it would make the sport beautiful and the cars beautiful. <laughs> yeah, well, it looks horrid. It, well, um, it, it does. It looks odd. Um, it takes away from me the slickness of the car. I was trying to be really positive about about it, but it makes it look like it's got a weird bulbous tube around the driver in reality that's the shape it makes for me however once well, you, the can't, racing... you can't see the driver well this was going to be my question like so you know it's been more difficult to see the helmets have you found it that it's detracted from from that process it's taken something away practically not just the aesthetic not really because you you know if you're if you do this job for a living you kind of recognize the cars instantly um you know it, it, there have been occasions when teams make it complicated um Salvers and Williams look a bit similar and go about the same speed, actually, to be fair. Um, but, um, you know, the, it's just, it's, it's daft to have, um, drivers with the same colored helmets. You know, if you have, if you have two drivers with the same colored helmets, change them. But, you know, the fact is you can't really see the helmets anymore, but there's nothing can be done about the halo because of insurance men and John Todd, uh, listening to, to them. So, um, we, we just have to get on with it and find a better way in the future. Um, I'm sure there are better ways than this because it's ugly. It looks like a Meccano set as far as I'm concerned. Um, and, but having said that, it's kind of weird. But after a, a few laps watching them, you sort of don't notice it anymore. Yeah. Um, which I, I, 
you do notice it when the cars stop because they're ugly as hell. But um, it's true when, when the cars are going, you sort of don't see it anymore. I think it's some sort of opt- optical illusion. But anyway, whatever the case, it's ugly and should be, should be taken off with a chainsaw. So. Well, I think protocol, <laughs> prototype cars always are a bit jarring on the eye. We got used to the 2014 Caterham. I, th- I think, honestly, we'll get used to this. Yeah, the 2014 Caterham was pretty hideous, wasn't it? It was pretty bad. Mm. It was not Halo bad, but <laughs> it was pretty bad. Um, why well, there have s- been worse than that in the history of Formula One. There was a Ferrari... 1980 Ferrari, which had this sort of tea tray thing going on, which was gruesome. Why do you think they're so adverse to really identifying the drivers clearly? Now, I wouldn't go as far as Dragon racing in Formula E, where they have two different liveries for their driver. But really, what's wrong with like a big fluorescent strip on a halo or just uh, helmets colours being displayed on the halo? Like something. Help out the casual fan. Well, to be fair, they have already been helped out. The, the numbers on the fins are now a much better idea than they were. You can actually tell them apart. It used to be done with a fluorescent jobby on the camera, which was fine if you could remember who was the second driver. Yes. Um, you know, and uh, the numbers have made a bit of a comeback, but you've still got to know who the number is. You know, It's like NASCAR. If you go there enough, you know who 24 is. But if you don't, if it's your first time there, and you know, there's no way you can tell who the driver is just by looking at a car from a distance. If you don't know who 24 is, you spend your whole life with your head in the program, going, "Who's 24? Who's 48?" Now, I, I happen to know the answer to some of those questions. If I'm not sure, I can do 24 anymore because there's a new bloke in there now. So, but uh, 48 is uh, Jimmy Johnson, you see. So, just goes to prove something. So, fans of tin tops must be kind of laughing at F1 fans. Uh, struggling with just a bit of metal <laughs> over the top because obviously they're used to their drivers being in a car. Well, yeah, but you know, tin tops. Yeah, no, I know. You say you say fans of tin tops. Mm-hmm. The only country in the world's got a massive fan following of tin tops is Australia, and of course NASCAR land. Um, and they're not NASCAR are rocket ships disguised as yeehaw mobiles. They are actually quite high tech. They're not the um, they're not the uh the wacky races, whatever that gang was. I can never remember the name. You know, they, 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 they dress up as hayseeds, but they're not. It's a very, it's a very, very high-tech formula. Yeah, and I certainly um, won't repeat my comment about um, Alex Goldsmith, who appears on our podcast being a tin-top apologist, but frankly, that, that is what he is. Uh, right no, there are, no, no, listen. <laughs> there is a place for touring cars. I, used to, I started out as a touring car reporter, and I was a big fan of it at the time. I still quite like it, and it's still fun because then, you know, they can rub, rub bits together. But, you know, the, we had the supercars racing in, uh, in Melbourne, and... Um, to be honest, there wasn't a huge amount of overtaking going on. Um, and, yeah, I mean, they're spectacular, they're noisy. Um, but, to be honest, did I watch any of the races? I was too busy doing other things. Can I ask, then, while you're there, you don't probably always get the best view in the media centres. I, for the first time, used the F1 app. And I mean, there's a small subscription on that, but I'm sure you know people who could, you know, get that free for you. Do you have much more data available to you than, say, somebody just watching it on Now TV? Because for the first time watching the live app and and seeing the GPS, yes, it was a bit stuttery, but for things like pit stops, I could actually track, you know, whether the car was going to get out in front or not. Uh, Well, we don't have that much. We have less than that. In fact, we have we have uh, timing screens uh, and sector times. And we can, if you're good at it, um, you can work out who's where, whatever. But no, I mean, I think you can have all those other things, but you can also have too much information. Um, and if you're trying to follow a race um, very closely, sometimes having too many information feeds is a bad idea. So all you want I is remember, just... I remember just, just as an idea, in Vallelunga, a thousand years ago, when I used to do touring cars, um, you could sit in the main grandstand at Vallelunga and you could see at that time about three quarters of the track. But that was too much because you kept having your, 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 your focus was uh, distracted from one thing to another thing. So you'd be trying to do too many things at the same time. So from a race reporting point of view, maybe not as a fan, but as a race reporter, you, you, you kind of need clarity. Um, and so you have to, you know, you have to focus on certain things, not have too many things to do. Now, obviously, 
kids these days who do 27 <laughs> things at the same time are obviously better at it than I am probably. But, um, you know, uh, I can do, I guess you'd call it second screen because we have, we have a TV feed, we have the timing screens. Um, and, uh, we also have all kinds of other stuff going on around us cause we're surrounded by other media men with other things. And you know, so you do pick up other stuff and occasionally we even look out of the window, you know, well, actually see the cars for real. Uh, I, I, no, yeah, I, 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 you know, I used to actually do lap charts where you did that. And I still do when there's, when there's a glitch of the timing screens, the only people who know what's going on are the people who are lap charting out the windows. So, so speaking of, uh, trying to track people with pit stops and you're saying that you can look at the sector times and see who's going to come out in front on pit stops etc obviously did you do any better than mercedes in calculating what gap lewis hamilton needed to avoid no. the virtual safety car we were all completely hey eh? how did that happen you know there was this yeah a sort of uh don't get that at all but you know as it turned out and, and you could tell i mean lewis had no idea that was going to happen the team didn't know what had happened. Um, I have a theory which wouldn't go down very well in Marinello, but I think it's the only theory you can actually work out. Is Joe gonna? Which is? Is he gonna? Haas. Hang on. Are you gonna? No, no, no. Hat? Conspiracy? Well, no. Oh, damn. Listen, I I went down to the Haas team after the race ended, and conspiracists or whatever the word is, conspirators. I mean, idiots. To be fair. Yes, conspirators do not look that gutted at no, the end of the race. No, 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 no. That was one, that was one disemboweled racing team, and you know, and and you felt sorry for them because it really was. And also, it was you know, two cross-threaded wheel nuts. Cross-threaded wheel nuts happen to everybody. Uh, some are better than others, but you know, to two in the same race, to two cars running well in the points, was tragic. More now, yeah. in many ways, that, that is. That's good for team building because, you know, pain, pain helps to build good teams. But, um, it was awful. It was, it was, you know, and it, it's such a sad story because they've done such a good job. Now, my instinct as a fault finding engineer. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. I haven't finished a bit about Ferrari yet. Well, you left the, a very long gap. That's why. No, I didn't because you leapt in on the house thing. Um, what I was going to say was that my theory is that Ferrari knew from the beginning they had no chance of winning the race except by doing something radical. And the only radical thing they could do was to have a strategy that they used Kimi Raikkonen to draw Lewis into the pit early, which is obvious. And then they just had Vettel there, and all he did was run as fast as he could, praying for a safety car. And that was their only strategy. Their only strategy is we can only win this if we get a safety car. And as it happened, it worked out well. But that kind of shows you the level of desperation they were at because the car was not quick enough. And to be fair to Sebastian, he admitted it after the race. He said, our car's not as quick as it was last year. Our car's not quick enough. And he's absolutely right. Now, Mercedes had the fastest car by a margin. And, uh, and uh, you know, it was, it, was, um, it was remarkable and incredibly lucky that Ferrari won. I mean, they used their luck well. Yeah. But nonetheless, I think that they had it. It was talk about desperate strategies. I think that was the ultimately desperate strategy. Now, I got somewhat shot down on our race review show when I said that I felt that Kimi Raikkonen had been used as bait. So I, I take this as complete validation. And just to further sort of back up what you're saying, when Lewis Hamilton's tyres weren't uh, anywhere near to worn when he came in for his first pit stop. So as you say, the only chance was for Vettel to be out there for longer with a virtual safety car coming in that gap. So you have to imagine that Raikkonen also came in with tyre wear left. So to me, it felt very obvious at the time that this was not the, the lead driver getting the preferential pit stop. This was, in fact, Kimi Raikkonen being used to force Lewis Hamilton to cover him off early. Yeah, I think it's... a. Uh, uh... Oh, we've lost Joe. Oh, this happens every now and then. Why must he always be away in France? France, what is wrong with your internet? Somebody catapult a cow over to the castle. So is this going to be one of the ones where he disappears for a long time? Or is this going to be... Yes, it has. He's actually gone offline. So uh, let me just see what the chat room is saying. Peter Yannick, last name driver, one driver of the day. That was such a rookie still error. Here. Oh, you're still here. There you are. I'm still here, yeah. Oh, you've been Poor. here that entire time? Okay. I have. I ah. listened to all your jibber-jabber, yes. 
Hey, but come on, that's the kind of fill that says Spanners Ready should be on live TV. I'm available for hire. Come get me. Anyway, continue your point. I can't remember what it was now, but there you are. Kimi Raikkonen being used as bait. Oh, Kimi Raikkonen was used as a hare. He was used to pull Lewis in, and they had to cover him just in case. So that's what happened. In he went, and and, uh, so Sebastian got ahead, and that was it. After that, it was just a matter of sort of crossing your fingers and crossing everything and, you know, hoping that something would go wrong. The the fact that it went wrong with the two Hasses was just a, a monstrously bizarre coincidence. Yeah, of course. Any, anyone who reads a conspiracy theory into that needs to go and have a lie down and put their <laughs> head under water. So I, I jokingly suggested it um, last week, and I just need to clarify something because I, I was being sarcastic. Um, the chat room leapt on me. I got emails, but I was definitely joking. And then when I said, because nobody has ever deliberately caused a safety car to gift someone a victory. I just want to point out that that was also a joke and that I am aware of Crashgate. So please stop messaging me about that. Thank you. I love all your emails. Email me, spannersready at gmail.com. Just Simpkins says, I don't agree, Spanners. Kimmy had track position and should have benefited from pitting first. Well, he could only have benefited from an undercut. And frankly, Lewis Hamilton had the pace to see an undercut off. So I, I don't see that that benefiting him and i think ferrari is smart enough to have known that lewis hamilton quickly got like a three and a half second gap and it looked like he could do the kind of pace that he wanted to do you ever feel that mercedes are deliberately conservative when they're leading a race joe because red bull used to just smash out as far as they could get a pit stop gap ferrari schumacher used to smash out get a 30 second gap you feel like mercedes could have gone 10 15 seconds ahead in that first stint yeah, but times have changed and you have to conserve the, the engines and the cars now. It's, that's just the way it is. That's why Lewis backed off at the end. Um, you know, he just accepted that he wasn't going to get past him. So just back it off and get it to the home to make sure it's ready for another day. So, yeah, you have to do that. So you don't want to push things. You know, if you think about it, the number of engines per season has gone from five to three, which is a 40% increase in longevity. Yes, and I, if they're having to back off with the engines towards the end of the so, race, that means that that hasn't been matched with reliability. It has been rela- matched with reliability because you know, they dropped them on the ground in Barcelona and they did 1,040 laps without breaking down. So, you know, these things are fairly bulletproof. Um, but, you know, you can, always, you can always have a little bit of extra caution, which is not, not a bad idea. But, with, but in Albert Park also, you have to... You also have to bear in mind you've got to look after tires. You've also got to look after fuel because it's very hard. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus. Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
high fuel consumption too. Fair enough. Lance Lassen says, Joe was agreeing with you about Ferrari and then he disappeared. Conspiracy. I like that. Clive Benito, wouldn't Ferrari have said ahead of time that the lead driver would come in on a certain lap? I don't know. I suppose they might have had an agreement, but they might not have done. Muna, has Kimi come to terms with the fact he's number two? What do you reckon, Joe? I think his pay packet probably tells him that. Fair enough. Um, now, but it does bring up a uh, sort of counterpoint with the other finish number two. Uh, a one-off for Bottas? Or can he actually get back in that fight? Because he, Lewis needs a number two. Oh, well, look, look, Valtteri had an accident, which could have happened to anybody. It just happened to happen to him. He got on a wet curb. He pushed him too hard. So uh, the damage that was done was fairly significant. That caused him uh, a gearbox penalty as well as the shunt so you know he was he was starting from a position where he couldn't feel he couldn't feed uh, finish i can't speak tonight could not finish higher than ninth that would have been the ultimately you know the best possible position he finished i think he did finish ninth in the end so he did a decent job and valtteri has come back clawed back from uh troubles before um and i think that uh you know the more troubles you have the stronger you get is my belief and uh i think that he will be fine. Uh, hang on. Let's define fine. So is fine keeping his contract or is fine challenging Lewis Hamilton for a title one day? Well, after the first race of the year, it's probably a little early to say. No, knee-jerk reactions and wild speculation. Are you new to podcasts? No, I, perhaps I am. But at the same time, I'm just a little bit more realistic than some of the people uh, representing the media these days, shall we say. <laughs> That's fine. So, look, you've got no problems, I'm feeling, with this three-engine rule. Um, you, you think that it, it's fine? I mean, personally, I feel like it might uh, be affecting the sport. But do you think if, if it ever comes to the fact that Ferrari are the ones who are having to turn their engines down and not make a challenge, do you think that might change the equation at all? Not really. I mean, the fact is, why are they doing it? The answer is the teams ask for it. The teams ask for it because they want to save money. And if you have three engines, you're saving a lot of money because not just in the number of engines you have to build for racing, but every time you have engines, you have a multiple of that have to be tested on dynos. So you're talking, you know, rather than having 21 engines being tested, you now have 12 and it's a big saving. It's a lot of money saved. Therefore, the engines will get cheaper um, as a result of that. So, you know, it's also good because it means that you're, you're, I mean, it depends what you want. If you want it to be a, a complete lunatic uh, spending battle, well, let them have everything. Let them have you know, qualifying engines that come out on on a Saturday morning. You know, it, it's insane. I mean, they're already insane, the costs involved. So <clears throat> anything that we do to cut them is good. Uh, anything that gets away from that and goes to pure racing, it's all very well saying pure racing. But pure racing would then just become more and more who's got the most money. Okay, well, let's talk about racing then, because Clive Benito, again, makes a good point. Mercedes lost that race on Saturday with Bottas's error, and it meant that Ferrari did have more strategy options, and I think Ferrari did the better job on race day. They had two drivers, and I no, feel no, like no, they that's, utilized that, them. That's, that's not true. They didn't lose it on Saturday. They lost it on Sunday because Lewis Hamilton was leading the race. And then he wasn't leading the race. It's got nothing to do with whether Bottas crashed or not. And if if Bottas had been there running up the front, it would... And I think we've got Joe back. Hello. Joe, what's going on in France? What have you done to the internet? I have no idea, but it just crashed out. Do you, do you think, Joe, according to Hannah Hassel's question here, does Joe think that Ferrari's year is going to be more like 2015 or 2017 in terms of closeness to Mercedes? Well, I think they said, Vettel said himself at the end of the race, that they weren't, they weren't as fast as they were last year in comparison to Mercedes. So um, the other thing is we haven't really seen Red Bull at its absolute maximum because of Ricardo's penalty and because Max uh, had a bit of a dramatic race and fell back. So I think we've got that to see. I think all three of them can probably win. And I think Haas is in the fourth strongest place at the moment. So Christopher Fonseca in the chat says, careful, Joe, we've had two failures now on the Skype call. We've only got one left before we start getting Skype penalties. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Sam Watley suggests we have to go to the back of the grid. I feel like Red Bull were much stronger in that race than they appeared. 
Yeah. Obviously, Ricciardo had a three-place grid penalty. What was happening with Max Verstappen, though? It's like he was so hungry. He he really wanted it. And one of our panelists, Alex Van Jean, he messaged me as soon as Verstappen spun. He just went, that's why he's not ready to be a world champion yet. He just hasn't got that final kind of level head. Do you think that's fair? He's clearly fast. No, not really. No, all he was trying to do was trying to to uh, break through and find a way past the current find a way past the car in front and basically um he he overcooked it so you can say that's not good enough to be a world champion or you can say it's youthful enthusiasm whatever you know it, i i prefer it i i uh i quite like to see him you know, if you look at the way he harried um alonso in the final stages i mean he was with him all the way and there was no question of the car overheating or his tires going off he was on his gearbox all the way and he still he couldn't find a way through to be fair so, lewis hamilton was pushing behind a slower car and he also went off the track so we can we, we can't really judge max verstappen what i really liked about both those guys is they both absolutely went for it even though it was a narrow track really hard to overtake they there's no doubt they were pushing for that overtake yeah, of course they were because they're racing drivers. You know, no racing driver doesn't push, but they they are the they're the um, the top notch ones, and therefore they're pushing harder and we're able to do more. So honestly, from that race, it seems ridiculous given that Ferrari actually won the race. I, I feel like the order is Mercedes, Red Bull, Ferrari. Uh, I'm not sure about that, but I think certainly it's Mercedes, Red Bull, and Ferrari are very very close together, and I think that then it's Haas, and then it's probably. McLaren and Renault are quite close together. Now then, Haas. And, and, then, and then you have the others. You know. <laughs> then the others, the lost teams, as Matt Trumpets described them. But Haas, what on earth is going there? I mean, the other teams are a little bit, I think McLaren and Williams have suggested that there might be an investigation into them being very, very close to the 2017 Ferrari. It is a heck of a leap. I mean, it, it was jarring. It wasn't a fluke. It was both drivers. It no, was sustained um, pace. Gunter Steiner, who I mentioned this to, of course, not on Sunday, because that would have been a very bad time to suggest oh, yes. it. Um, but I talked to him about it early in the weekend, and he said, if they, want to com- if they want to come and protest, they can come and protest. We're playing it by the rules, and if they don't like it, go put their money where their mouths is and protest. But what are the rules? How well, the close rule- can you get to another car? You can buy a certain number of things. You can't buy aerodynamic surfaces and things like that. You know, there are there there are things you're not allowed to do, but you can you can buy suspension, you can buy transmissions, you can buy all kinds of things. And all they're doing is cleverly, very cleverly, buying all the stuff you want to buy, uh, and getting as much done by somebody else. And Force India has done the same thing over the years, but to a lesser extent. Um, and then they have some, some aerodynamicists who are working away in Dallara. Um, there's a man called Ben, ben Agathangalu who's been around in Formula One for a very long time, who was a Tyrrell aerodynamicist originally. Um, very clever people, and they produced a good-looking car. And, you know, the, the fact the car goes quickly, the fact that it has some of the features. I mean, you look around the grid. Half the cars have got bits of the last year's Ferrari on them. No, it's not. They're not the only people, are they? Well, you that know? was happening in 2017 as well. <laughs> people yeah, were looking but, at their sideboard. But, but the you know you've got things that they couldn't do last year. They can do this year because it was in the whole you know building of the chassis process. So it's just it's just. Uh, I think Gunter said it himself. He said the people who are going to complain are the ones who are failing because they need an excuse. Um, if they if they had faster cars, they wouldn't need to ex- you know worry about it, would they? And he has a fair point because he has a smaller budget than all of these people put together. And they're doing a better job, so good for him. Doing a better job, but a jarringly better job for onlookers. Like we were, like as as plebs, we sit there and we go, "Whoa, what?" Well, you didn't expect it. I expected it after the testing. Right. Well, we didn't watch testing closely enough, obviously. Hmm? Well, I, <laughs> I think on the last podcast, I did say that when I when I did through the numbers, Kevin Magnussen was the fastest car, and you know that that looked a bit weird. And I did the numbers again and again and again. And it still came out the same. Now, that was to do with the gaps that Pirelli said existed between their tyre compounds, which isn't, it's not bulletproof, um, but it certainly got a good indication that the house was a quick car. So I wasn't surprised at all to see that. And and I think they deserve it. You know, they, they, they're, they're using the rules in a way that 
And until they get busted and somebody says, yeah, I'm there cheating, as far as I'm concerned, good for them. So it's interesting. So no aerodynamic surfaces, but I mean, I suppose there's a subtle difference between looking at a car, getting inspiration from that and trying to get close to it and say Ferrari handing over some CAD models and saying, this is our chassis. No, that, that's not legal, yeah. obviously. But the former um, one would you be. Know, Sorry, yeah, I, I, that dropped out a little bit. Fair enough. So just like looking at the car and doing your best to recreate the concepts of the aerodynamics, I mean, well, that's not, got to be acceptable. Not, not, not even looking at the car. You know, most aerodynamicists are smart enough to go into a wind tunnel and to come up with good ideas and make it fast. The thing about aerodynamics is that, gee whiz, guess what? Uh, that's why all road cars look the same nowadays. It's, there, there are one, there's usually one way of doing it fast. And therefore... Is it any great surprise that things generally end up looking a bit similar to one another? And, you know, for years people have said Formula One cars look too similar because they all go in the wind tunnels. Well, it's how it is. Now, the difference between handing over all the, all the data, you know, saying these are, these are the surfaces and all the rest of it, that's another story. But, um, you know, I think if they, if they took all the surfaces, all the measurements, on the house and they compared them to the Ferrari, they'd find that they weren't the same. You know, it's even if you were going to cheat, you wouldn't make them exactly the same because it's stupid, isn't it? Too obvious. Yeah. So, you know, <laughs> you know, the fact of the matter is that all this whinging, just get on with it. And yeah. if you can't beat them, join them. It would be a very obvious cheat, wouldn't it? Like using actual sandpaper to rough up a cricket ball instead of say some subtle dirt from your pocket. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so you touched upon Force India then, as you were talking about Force India having done much the same thing. I mean, Force India have always been praised for punching above their weight and being the best team per dollar, as it were. Do you think then that they were doing, you know, having a similar approach to, to Haas and Haas are simply doing what the most successful privateer team of the past few years have been doing? Yeah, pretty much. But that's all about two years ago. <laughs> they did. They did that. I think the the reason that Force India have gone off the boil this year is the fact that um, while they might be punching above their weight in terms of dollars, they haven't got any dollars. And I think that that means that during the winter time, uh, they haven't been able to do everything they want to do. And uh, April the first is an important date because that's when the TV money comes in, and a lot of teams down the back, down the middle are. You know, waiting with bated breath for April the 1st when a large check will arrive and they can go to business. So I think we'll see Force India. They already know what they can do with the car to make it faster. And I think once they've made the parts, um, paid the bills and got things on the move, they'll be, they'll be in the game a bit more. So there's a couple of questions from our Slack group. Uh, Phil Christian says, question for Joe, are Force India's finances as dire as some reports make it sound? Did something fall through with the name change sponsorship? Because, of course, the rumour I've heard, I have no idea if it's true, is that Force India were requesting some money from the FIA early. And uh, Clappers is saying, does he know if there's any truth to the rumour that it is Williams who vetoed that early Liberty payment to Force India? Okay, well, just to tidy that up a little bit, Thanks. FIA doesn't pay anybody anything. Um, there has been a tradition in the Formula One group for quite a long time of some teams getting their money before um, the April the 1st. Now, this year, it doesn't seem to be happening. I think there's a bit of a sort of chain-pulling exercise going on um, with Liberty, sort of saying, you know, got to learn to live in your budgets, boys. You know, here's your pocket money. Don't spend it all at once. You won't have any sweeties if you use it all up, you know. Fairly basic stuff. Um, and so I think, yeah, I think a couple of teams, maybe three or four, um, who have been used to getting getting some money up front aren't getting it, and therefore they're suffering a little bit. But I think once the money comes in, um, you know, there's usually quite a big chunk, so they can get back to business. Um, and we'll probably see them doing the same thing again later in the year when the next chunk's due, you know. I didn't actually realize there was mid-season chunks, so I've learned something there. Well, there are there are certain paydays on which money comes through, but in the winter time uh, there aren't any, uh, and it, it basically is April the first is the uh, is the big payday. And so Bernie used to lend money out, you know, some of the teams who were struggling in the run up to the first races, because obviously that's the time of year you're spending more money. And so, do you did you 
have any comment on whether Williams would have had an opinion on this? Do the, do the teams need to all agree? I have no idea who... Yes, the teams do all need to agree. I have no idea who blocked it. I wouldn't have thought it was a very wise thing to do from anybody to block it because next time they want something, they'll get blocked, won't they? Trying to remember if it was Force India that blocked Marussia coming in with an old car or not. Um, I, think- I, I can't remember the details like that, but I mean, the fact is that if you block, what goes around comes around. So, you know, that is why um, it, it's just wiser. I, I understand why people do it, but it's wiser in the long term not to do it because you'll get your comeuppance. And sometimes, you know, it'll get worse because your comeuppance will come at the wrong time. So, yeah, I'm hearing, I'm hearing in, in terms of Fourth India, I've heard a lot of dire stories. Uh, whether they're true or not, who's to say, because we can't easily check these things. But, um, you know, this is the time of year when people struggle a bit. Speaking of easily checking things, uh, we did have actually a great question, uh, a little bit more personal from Ray Parker uh, in our Slack group, who said, uh, if there's any chance to divert away from current F1, we'd be interested to know how extensive Joe's research is into motorsport history. Does he have a huge library of old news clippings, notes, etc., that he uses for his interesting facts segment? Obviously, we've all spent a hundred days reading your interesting facts on your blog. I'd imagine you've got one of those little micro readers where you look in with two eyes, you put the newspaper under, and then you zoom in on the bit of text. Um, is this encyclopedic knowledge, or do you have to spend a lot of time sitting and researching all these old stories? Um, it's it's a bit of both, really. Uh, I have I have an enormous archive of paperwork, which takes up most of my attic uh, and half of my garage as well. And so, but I don't actually use it a great deal um, because the internet has got so much on it nowadays that it's it's a bit um, you can get so much from it. Having said that, I'm just going to illustrate the point if I can find it. I've got a pile of paper next to me as always. You know, I always have a pile of paper. <laughs> Internet's and, brilliant though. Yeah. Well, it, it, yes, it's not always right, Ooh. but it is. Well, no, it's not. No, Joe, you're doing it wrong. What you do is you keep scrolling down until you find an opinion that validates your own, and then you just go with that. Exactly. I hear. <laughs> this is uh, this is the Francois Hainaut's biography from 1985, I think, <clears throat> and it goes on for pages and pages and pages. Now, none of that's on the internet. Um, so, you know, I've got things. I've got endless things of these. I have a file for every team. Um, and, you know, all the paperwork I have. Now, if I need it, it's trouble is it's, it's out in the country because I, I, uh, I can't have enough room in my apartment in Paris. So uh, eventually I'll get it all in one place. But, yeah, I've got a bit of everything. So but there's an awful lot in the head, too. And there's a lot in my computer, you know. <laughs> I have been writing about the sport for rather a long time. And to, it has to be said that there were um, data-saving devices of of value from about 1989, 1990 onwards. Um, and so I do have written, um, I have articles that I wrote that far ago, which I can cut and paste and whatever, you know. Well, so. I suppose one of the advantages you have is you might not have it all in your head, but you have the markers in your head. So you can kind of go, oh, yes, that reminds me of such and such a thing. And you know where to go and look. You know what will be interesting. Then you know what to research, whereas I wouldn't know what to research well, at all. You, you also have to bear in mind that at some point along the way, I wrote an entire encyclopedia of Formula One with every driver, uh, every race. Uh, I actually wrote a race report for every single race. Um, and now, I've forgotten most of them. I have to be... You know, if you ask me about specifics, I I have to go, uh, uh, uh. But, you know, on the internet now, you've got every race written up. Not all of them very well again, but um, but there are there are places you can find everything you need. So I always try to find things that aren't there. Several That's of the it. chat room members would like to come and just sit in your garage and read all that stuff. So presumably open invitations instead of an audience with Joe, a garage with Joe. Uh, it would take them some time to do it. I do have... Uh, 530 odd envelopes most most races look for the audio listeners yes he's rustling a random bit of paper oh, what can i say it's his generation no, it's, not, it's not a random bit of paper it's an envelope it says australia 2018 usually they've done in they give nice folders but they're, they're sort of stopping doing that and inside here is all the paperwork for the race so you have the lap chart ah. and you have all the numbers. I actually don't keep the team press releases anymore, which I do in older ones. So the older the older 
dossiers are much thicker. But the team press releases are all online these days. Joe, do me a favour. At the end of the show, when the music's playing, can you get a wad of those papers and sort of tap them and tidying them up on a desk like an old-style newsreader used to do? But fortunately, you have embraced the internet to the point that you have an internet-only magazine called GP Plus magazine. I do, yes. Or rather, we do, because it's not mine. We are a group who do it. Oh, I and thought you were including me for a second. I was touched. Then you took well, it all you, away. Have you... Have you done anything for the magazine? I haven't been invited to. I could write a 300-word badly spelt blog. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't have blogs in the magazine, per se. Anyway, it is, um, it's our thing, and uh, it comes out six hours after the race, about somewhere between 75 and 90 pages, depending whether it's a good race or not. And uh, it's all written by professionals who are actually there, not by the garage weirdos. And um, it is very, very cheap. It's only £34.99 for 23 issues, and you get them all in the year. Um, so two have gone, but there's still another 21 to go. So worth signing up for, grandprixplus.com. And while we're pushing stuff, you also do um, a, a newsletter every month for people who want to be wannabe insiders. People who want to be poor. People who want to be poor. Yeah. It's very expensive, but good it things come at a price. But it is, it, it is used by people in the business teams and things to keep up with what's going on. So it's an insider newsletter is what I like to call it. Well, so. while we're selling stuff, uh, Missed Apex Podcast still has mugs to sell with that lovely car design. Now, we've been doing it not for profit. Um, we've made it as cheap as possible. Go to MissedApexPodcast.com forward slash buy stuff. And you will see the link there to buy the white or black mug in the US or the UK. But I was going to say to you, Joe, do you want to knock up some inside F1 ones? But obviously for you, crank the price up for massive profit. Well, there's no profit involved here. You know, you forget one little one. My tiny, tiny little point, which everyone always forgets when they're talking about the life of a Formula One journalist. They all think that there's somebody out there who pays all your bills for you. They don't. Ah, but we'll, pay, we'll, we'll do the I mugs pay for my you. Bills. We'll do the mugs for you. Slap your face on one side, missed Apex car on the other side, send you a check. Sounds good to me. Get on it. <laughs> we'll do it. I'm, Joe, not, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that my face is going to sell many mugs. But there you go. Actually, a mug for a mug. Hmm. Well, there you go. I'll tell you what, we'll come up with a. We'll come up with a cool logo. Our people are all over this. Um, let's just finish up by talking a little bit <laughs> so more. You have a very busy shed there, don't you? Hey, there's people all over the place. Hey, and I'm glad you said you know garage people instead of shed people. Shed people are special uh, and uh, potential international okay. superstars of the future. Let's finish up by talking talking about Red Bull and Honda because uh, somebody in the chat there is asking what will power the RB15 which will be next year's Red Bull obviously Red Bull have kind of used uh, Toro Rosso as a bit of an experiment have to be a little bit worried about that first engine change in the first race yeah i don't think i don't think we'll see anything anything changing next year with Red Bull i think we'll have Renault engines badged as tag hoyers i think they are aren't they so um they're still Renault engines, and that will go on until they get an Aston Martin engine in 2021. You sound very sure. So no Honda Red Bull? Why would you take a Honda well, right well, now? I wouldn't, but that's what all the chat was last year. The sad thing is that if Honda go on like this, they'll be leaving Formula One at the end of this year, which is not good for the sport. So, But they only have themselves to blame. I mean, they are, I was going to say they were at least reliable, but then, of course, they weren't in the race. Um but they're not quick and you know have they made any real progress from last year well we can see i mean you can see why mclaren did what they did and look at it you can see the payoff they got from it so you know in it's just it's it's a sad state of affairs but honda have got to get themselves sorted now mclaren obviously have a renault engine they've got everything they wanted as in a rid of the gp2 engine as alonso described it Bahrain and China will be really telling, though, won't they? It'll be much less forgiving. He won't be able to have an Alonso train like he did in Melbourne. Yeah, I think that's true. I think, you know, we are going to... Well, we'll see. We'll just see how how they all... On a track where you can actually express yourself speed-wise, we can see how quick the Red Bulls are. We can see what the McLarens can do. The Renaults are actually doing... You know, they're quite decent, too. So, you know, it'll just be interesting to see how it all pans out. It's true what you said. The first race isn't, doesn't give everything away. So 
Um, let's wait and see. Yeah, I mean, looking forward to chart. Uh, Bahrain is a, a track I love. China is a track I love as well. I think of modern F1 tracks, they've provided us good racing over the years. Have you got any wild speculation for those two tracks? I mean, I, I desperately want to see Force India do something. I fear it's not going to happen. Uh, and, and I, I feel like, uh, that we're going to see a bit more of what we saw last year with McLaren a bit further down the grid and, and Mercedes dominating. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I mean, I, I learned long time ago not to make too many predictions because they're very, very often wrong. So, <laughs> no, what you but do what is I, you... what I can predict is I will be at both because today uh-huh. I got I got both my visas finally sorted out. So, and now I have to start worrying about Azerbaijan. That's the next one after that. So. Uh, Joe, um, you've moved websites slightly so people can still find you at Joe Sayward on Twitter, but your blogs are in a slightly different place now. No, no, it's Joe Blogs F one still the way to go. Oh, okay. I found myself on a strange and unfamiliar website earlier. No, no, it's just that they they, they are supposed to have Joe Blogs F1 written when you get there. Oh, right. But for some reason, it hasn't happened yet. But it will happen. It's just being it's just being hosted by another site, and the other site that's hosting it uh, is doing all the advertising. So, in other words, it does actually get some money in, as opposed to previous times where I'm just working for nothing. So, I'm not exactly working for a lot now, but but you know, eventually. Um, hopefully it will build up uh, more money from advertising. I don't have time to go around chasing advertisers, so this is the, the logic. And also it got, you know, it got a, 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 a redesigned blog, which was necessary, because, again, I don't have time to sit around designing blogs in my spare time. I'm too busy writing all the time. Joe, every guest we have on here from Formula One obviously knows of you and tends to listen to Inside F1 with Joe. And when they hear you pleading poverty, they they throw their head back and and laugh because obviously you're one of the stalwarts of the Formula One paddock. So it seems ridiculous for you to plead poverty. But it's not like that. (laughs) You know, the fact is that every journalist is bleeding at the moment. Every freelance is bleeding at the moment because it costs so much money. Uh, And, you know, even Sky are having cutbacks because spending all the money they spend sending people around the world. everyone's cutting i mean it costs a fortune to go around the world and just you know think about that add your mortgage on top and then add everything else on top of that and then begin to think about wow that's quite impressive what these people do but it's getting harder and and so yeah i mean i'm not I'm not pleading poverty i'm just saying that these are the realities of life and and anyone who thinks otherwise is delusional um and you know that's why uh, formula one is just an expensive business now Having said that, I, I've been a freelance for 23 years now, so um, I've been able to do it all that time. But when we started out, remember, you know, there were 16 races, 12 of them in Europe, so it was an easier. Yeah. It was easier in in terms of finance. It was also easier in terms of men, uh, human damage. You know, as you can see this evening, half my words are getting all mixed up because my brain is fuddled. Um, but you know, that's only cause I went to Australia and back in the last seven days or whatever it is, you know, um, which is, you should try it sometime. It's quite entertaining. Well, oh yeah. Okay. Well, I'll take that as a formal invitation to carry Joe's bags to the next flyaway races. I was about to let you go, Joe. Just a quick comment though, from Muna119, who does point out Williams. And I did want to talk to you about Williams cause I think you were a bit more optimistic than I was. However, <sighs> Stroll was pretty much the last genuine runner in that race. Do you think the Williams choosing to take the money for engineering gain versus, say, established drivers, are you still confident that's going to pay off in the season? Well, I think let's see. I mean, Sorokin went out very yeah, early was, on and yeah. Sorokin was actually doing a better job than Stroll a lot of the time. So um, we'll see how it goes. But I think, you know, the other thing, it's quite embarrassing to have Mercedes engines and be that far back. So uh, I think that I think that Williams are... Uh, they really need to start delivering things because they don't have a title sponsor for next year either. So they need to get things together. And if they don't, we're, you know, we begin to worry about them, I think. And we don't have time to answer any questions about aeroplanes, unfortunately. We just run out of time. But we are not having a Sunday show here on Missed Apex Podcast because we've had this show. And on Tuesday, we're going to be catching up with Jack Nichols from the BBC. And then me and Matt and Chris are going to have a bit of waffle to fill in the rest of that hour. And we are also going to be chatting in the next month or so to Bob Varsha, who can't come on at the moment because he is on his way to Paris, France, to presumably be your neighbour, Joe. 
Uh, yeah, I, he did tell me. That. In fact, he did. He did send me a message saying, "Where should I live?" Some time ago, but I'd forgotten he was doing that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. He's I, on think, his way. I think he's he's got a couple of months before he comes here. He's a lovely fella, Bob, and uh, I've known him for rather a long time. So uh, well, like well, into the eighties, I think when we first met. We'll so. have to come to you for some questions for Bob then to get some stories out of him. <laughs> I expect he can probably extract a few stories of his own. <laughs> So, until we speak to Jack, until we go to Bahrain, until we speak to Bob, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe Sayward. And relax, Joe. You did it. You made it. That slowly disappearing head. See, I told you your enthusiasm would burst back into life once we started talking about F1. Yeah, about half an hour ago, I was sound asleep. So there you are. Is that why you turned the Skype off? But the chat room's going, he's really tired. Now ask him about the plane. Now ask him about the teammates fighting. No, just leave him alone. I'll ask him when I hang up on you guys. (laughs) Not that way around. And I'm not going to answer to that anyway. So there you go. Curses. There's literally no benefit to being the host of this show. Just wait and watch, and and <laughs> I'm sure that if somebody's going to get fired, it'll happen in the fullness of time. So, and oh. I, and I know that I ha- I have a vague idea who it's going to be. There you are. Honestly, I would tell you that I wouldn't pass it on if you told me, but my mama didn't raise no liar, so uh, <laughs> I would tell everyone yeah, yeah. immediately. <laughs> You're right not to trust me, Joe. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you hopefully after Bahrain or China. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 